welcome to the inaugural Nightshaded Podcast, Woo. episode one. Woo! Welcome uh, to our conversation. So join us for a conversation with your coffee or your tea or whatever you may have, maybe something stronger, I don't know. But we're going to talk about cool things like mythology-based stuff and folklore stuff and true crime stuff and stay tuned for all of the shiny things that we will be talking about eventually. But... Today, what are we talking about? Oh, first of all, I'm Catherine Stroller. And I'm Vanessa. I'm just Vanessa. No one deserves my last name. (laughs) Okay, that's fair. Uh, What are we talking about today, then? The Wendigo. And there's there's so many different ways of spelling it and pronouncing it, but we're going with Wendigo. There's what, like 37, 37 variations minimum of... I don't, I don't know. I don't know that one. I just, like, Wendigo, Wendigo. Those are the only two I really <laughs> am familiar with. We're gonna say Wendigo. Uh, and that's, it's, the Wendigo is based in folklore. It's Algonquin folklore, primarily. Uh, and uh, some of you may already know this, but it's kind of a, it's a cannibalistic creature or evil spirit. Um, the tr- rough translation is the evil spirit that devours mankind. And it's spread, the, the mythology is spread through Canada, down through kind of the Great Lakes. Yeah, northern U.S. Canada. Like yeah. the colder regions of this area, yeah. Yeah, hence why sometimes in some stories it's more of an ice cannibal or an ice monster. So ice is kind of a thing and famine. Colder ice, yeah. Extreme conditions. Yeah. Extreme, all the conditions, yeah. so... Yeah, but it's really cool stuff, and we see it a lot in popular culture today in different variations, which is a lot of fun, and we'll talk about that after a little bit. But, uh, I don't know, Do, um, there's different ideas of what the Wendigo can look like, too, which is really cool, but uh, the big thing is looking at kind of this gaunt, big creature situation. Uh, yeah, but with- that's if you're looking at it as a its own monster. Yeah, yeah. First- actual human being and i guess I it's 50 50 yeah is that it can take different forms it can be an actual physical giant creature or it can have a possession aspect and taking over an actual individual human being type person mm-hmm. so yeah yeah I, well i mean it just depends on the tribes it's it varies even though some of them are like closer together ge- geographically but, like, one tribe could be like, yeah, it's a giant ice monster that runs around the forest and causes famine and eats you. And then another one believes that it's a spirit that can possess you and take over your body and make you hunger for other humans. Uh-huh. Super shiny. Oh, well, you know. You have all the hungers. But there's always the, the concept of, like, an insatiable hunger with, with any of the versions. I don't uh-huh. think that's, like, I don't think I've heard a story about the Wendigo. Where it hasn't had that. Yeah, I, I would agree that Insatiable Hunger is definitely the main kind of connecting through line that we've seen uh, in the research that we've done. Uh, yeah. Which makes sense with all the, the famine and especially in those places where food was hard to come by. Right. Their stories. And there were even some instances of, I know some of the tribal stuff that you were looking into about people that actually were Wendigo killers, that that was like something that they would, would do. Yeah, um, but before we get into that with Jack Fiddler, who is a really cool, badass dude, um, mm-hmm. I think, so 
the specific tribes besides Algonquin that this kind of focuses in on with um, their stories and lore. So we've got Chippewa, Ottawa, Potawatomi, Anishinaabe. We're butchering this, or I'm butchering this. Ojibwa and Cree. So there's probably a few more, but that's just kind of like the ones that popped up a lot. Um, and so then Jack Fiddler, who was a Cree slash Anishinaabe or OG Cree. So it's really confusing. Like, I think there was like a weird merging of tribes or a subset of a tribe within a larger name for a tribe. I'm not really sure how it all works. I should. My anthropology (laughs) professor would be ashamed of me. Um, But yeah, so Jack Fiddler was a Cree Indian. We're just going to go with that. And he grew up in the uh, mid to late 1800s. And then he lived up until 1907 um, in the Ontario area in Canada. <clears throat> so he was known as an Ojima, Ogigam, Ogima, I don't know. Uh, but he was a chief shaman. Uh-huh. And uh, within the Cree tribe, I guess, there was the Sucker tribe. Which is the sucker people. That's that's their ter- their name, which is unfortunate. It's, yeah, especially when we're looking at cannibalistic mythology and the, yeah. Yeah, I don't I don't know. We're just gonna keep saying Cree, but I just thought I'd share that. Um, so basically, Jack Fiddler was arrested um, towards the end of his life because he ends up killing himself. But um, we'll get we'll get to that. But he was arrested for killing a woman that he believed to be a Wendigo or that was possessed by a Wendigo. And he committed suicide while he was uh, in prison in 1907. So he was never fully tried for the case because he was able to escape and off himself before anything happened. Um, So for him, as a Cree Indian shaman chief, uh, his version of the Wendigo is that it was a cannibalistic spirit that would possess people <clears throat> and it was usually around times of like famine and disease and that's like a common thing too um tied to the wendigo yeah. yeah so he he claimed he defeated 14 wendigos aka he killed 14 people that he thought were wendigos or were becoming wendigos or they came to him thinking they were gonna become a monster um mm. maybe 15 including yeah. that last woman but 14 to 15 Um, so yeah, they would come to him or he'd, he'd search them out because he's the shaman and he's got to deal with it and he doesn't want it to spread throughout the rest of the tribe or have anyone get eaten because someone's acting like a Wendigo. Um, so it's also curious too that the, he was a Wendigo hunter and fairly recently, I guess, in this game of things, like into the early 1900s. But um, his tribe was, like, one of the last indigenous tribes within that area. So they didn't really have any, um, I guess... Outside influence. Outside influence, yeah. uh, From Canada or whatever kind of government was established there um, at the time. Which I think would have been, like, mostly company-based. Like, the Hudson Bay Company, um, who were dealing in Mm -hmm. furs and stuff like that. So they didn't really have any influence like that. So they were still acting on a lot of their own traditional beliefs, um, which is kind of why he ended up getting arrested, because it conflicted with 
the Hudson Bay companies and the Northwest Mounted Police, um, who were like, no, you just killed this woman. You weren't supposed, that's not right. We don't care if you thought it was a monster inside of her. That's, that's weird. We don't believe in that. Right. Um, so, yeah. So that's why he ended up getting arrested for doing it. So it was like a clash of traditions and beliefs. Um, but ultimately, the the government Hudson Bay Company, whatever, won and got him in jail. And his brother who helped him. So they, uh, they believed he was a savage. They believed he was awful and a murderer. And while he was in prison, he was able to escape just before the trial. Committed suicide by hanging himself. Um, and they couldn't justify, after he'd done that, they were like, we can't justify him murdering this woman for his pagan beliefs, so they killed his brother who helped him, or brother-in-law. Oh, so the, the accomplice, basically. Yeah, because they, he, they kept him in prison. He didn't run away or anything. Yeah, it's interesting that you're talking about how, you know, being, being the chief shaman, that people were coming to him in fear that they were turning into a Wendigo, and yeah. it just makes of kind of that, uh, the Wendigo psychosis, mm-hmm. that idea that that, um, you know, it was basically said to occur that, you know, an individual would be really anxious that they were transforming into a Wendigo for whatever reason in it, you know, with the famine and, you know, with starvation, that was a serious issue, especially in the winter, if it was hard finding food, um, that they either believe that they could turn into Wendigo or that someone else could, um, or they started to basically crave that, that human flesh. Um, and I know something that I had found that the symptoms basically for the Wendigo psychosis were like nausea and vomiting and poor appetite, antisocial behavior, um, in extreme cases, you know, there were suicidal tendencies to kind of keep themselves from having the full possession take over them. Yeah. Which I think is just a really interesting concept. I know that it's not, you know, some people believe it more than others. I think it's been debunked by a lot of people, but that it's, it is kind of that, culture clash idea and how when we're looking at the stories that the Native Americans and the Canadians were looking at within the lore, uh, that they tended to veer towards the idea of possession in the stories that they've had and they've talked about. So like, you know, talking about Jack Fiddler and that possession was the way that they looked at things versus when you look at the trappers and the explorers and the miners that were coming from an outside source that they didn't know that mythology, they didn't know the lore, is that they tended to look at it being more of specifically looking at cannibalism. And so it's, you know, the cultural and psychological, sociological fears, rather, that are personifications of, they're personified differently depending on the group. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, the Wendigo psychosis, I think ultimately it may have been debunked, but I think that what they were trying to say with it, because they just threw a lot of culture on something that actually occurred with, especially within Inuit tribes, um, which is, I'm going to butcher this too, P-block talk. Um, which is essentially another kind of like psychosis thing where, um, Inuits would succumb to a form of hysteria caused by being trapped during long winters. Yeah. So I think maybe initially the Wendigo psychosis would have come from that was people becoming hysterical because of their confinement due to the environment, um, And then that could translate into, okay, maybe they're not confined anymore, but they're out in the wilderness alone and lost. And it's, you know, survival is becoming that much more important to them. And that kind of hysteria ends up feeding into, I need to find food. I need to live. I may need to eat someone that's nearby me if that's my only option. 
Yeah, and the darkness too is a thing, and I know this is something in, in Scandinavia that that's also an issue in Alaska, and you know, when you're in an area where it's dark pretty much all the time for a number of months, that that can lead you in those directions as well. Um, which is just really interesting. There's a, um, you ha- did you have another guy or there was a, um, I wanted to chat about one of the first, uh, pieces of popular culture was, a for uh, Americans at least, um, was a novella called the Wendigo. It was written in 1910 by Algernon Blackwood. Um, he was actually an English uh, short story writer and novelist and he specialized in horror and supernatural fiction and stuff. But his, um, that story takes place in Northwestern Ontario and it's in the wilderness. It's about a moose hunting party of four and their cook disappears, uh, and they're searching for him and it's, you know, I don't want to spoil anything, but then that looks into kind of the physicalization of, they think they came across an actual creature, but that was one of the first, I think, documented at least Western, uh, interpretations of the creature, if you will, written down on the page. Right. Yeah, I did have another guy, um, mm. Swift Runner. So oh, right. he's another Cree Indian, but I don't think he was in the same direct group that Jack Fiddler was in. Mm. Um, but he, his kind of the gist of his story, he ended up eating his entire family, um, and then he blamed it on the Wendigo, or a Wendigo, or him being possessed by a Wendigo. Um, and this happened in Alberta, Canada in 1879, um, when the trial and all this kind of came out was in 1879, but he did it, I think in the winter of 1878. Um, so I'm just going to call him Swift Runner because I'm not going to attempt to pronounce his his native (laughs) name because I, um, great. I'm just wonderful at that. But he was a trapper and a guide for the Northwest Mounted Police. And was known to be a giant of a man. Um, But because he was working with these um, white men, he ended up becoming uh, addicted to whiskey. And was an alcoholic and extremely violent while drunk. So this kind of caused him to get fired from his job and kicked out by his tribe because no one wanted to deal with this shit. So in the winter of 1878, he took his wife and his kids and his mother-in-law out into the woods and they were going to like live their little happy life in the woods. And then (laughs) months later in springtime, because they they had had no contact with anyone else at this time, like they were just out in the woods. And then when spring came, uh, he came stumbling out of the woods, but without his family. And he ended up going to a Catholic mission and he told the priest that they, his entire family was dead and they were unable to get enough food to survive the winter. But somehow he survived. And also he looked pretty healthy for a guy that's family <laughs> supposedly died from starvation. <clears throat> so suspicions arose then. Um, and then they continued to grow suspicious when he would wake screaming from his nightmares and then at some point he tried to lead a group of children out into the woods oh whoa little wendigo pied piper situation i i guess so yeah um so eventually like yeah i don't know but eventually the the priests were like no we can't we can't deal with this guy he's crazy something's up (laughs) so they contacted the police um he was placed under arrest and then ordered to lead them to his previous campsite where his family probably were still there. 
So he tried, like, the story is kind of, like, a little wonky here in terms of what the sources know, but some say that he either immediately went and took them there, or he tried to mislead them, or he could only take them there if he was bribed with more alcohol. Uh-uh. Um, but they did finally make it to this site, and they ended up looking at something pretty horrifying. So there were bones everywhere. Uh, some were broken, some were hollowed out. And they were hollowed out because the marrow was sucked out of them. Hmm. And they also found a pot of human fat. Lovely. So, uh, obviously someone had been having a good old time and was hosting a cooking show. Yeah, they were gonna make some soap. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> so, uh, basically when all that came out, Swift Runner was like, no, 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 no. Everything's fine, guys. Don't worry. Everything's cool. I'm good. We're good. It's, there's nothing wrong with me. I'm good. Um, but there was this problem while I was out in the woods with my family and it's called a Wendigo and it just took over my body and I had no control. Using the Wendigo as a scapegoat? How dare he? I know. But, uh, obviously it didn't work. Um, because why would people that don't believe in Wendigos accept that as an excuse? So, um, he was put on trial and sentenced to die and on December 20th, 1879. Um, but before his death, he converted to Catholicism. Um. And, uh, just before he opened, they opened the door, I guess, because they're, I guess their setup for the hanging was, like, the trap door kind of drop sort of deal. But yeah. just before they opened that door, he was like, I admit my guilt. It was all me. Ooh. I don't think that's true. I think maybe the Wendigo did still do it. But, um, but yeah, he basically was like, I'm guilty. God, take me to heaven. Blah, blah, blah. And then, uh, the best part is there was apparently an execution connoisseur hanging out at this execution. Wait, wait, execution connoisseur? Yeah, it's just, you know, one of those guys that just show up to all the executions and it's like, oh yes, this is my favorite one by far. So execution fangirls are fanboys, basically. Groupies. Yeah, yeah, people that just like to watch people die. Okay. Yeah. Um, they, They were there. And they, they said it was the prettiest hanging I've ever seen. The prettiest hanging? Prettiest. Huh. I wonder what their definition of pretty would be then. Probably because it was a drop down instead of like a slow hanging. It was a quick break of the neck and then done. Yeah. So yeah, quick neck, and efficient. Yeah, just quick and efficient and pretty. A sight to see. Gone in a moment. Yeah. That would be the way to do it, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. It makes me think of... Um, I, I got to plug Ravenous, the which is a film that was released in 1999 by the directed by the late Antonia Bird, and it stars Guy Pearce and Robert Carlyle, and uh, it's set in Northern California in a remote military fort called Fort Spencer, uh, and I'm not right, you know, pretty much right after the Mexican American War. I'm not going to say anything more than that, but Swift Runner kind of reminds me of that just a just a little bit, just a little bit. And it's shiny and wonderful, and the music is very quirky, and it's a very, very, very funny film. I'll like it. Yeah. But, oh, oh, there's a, um, looking at another, like, mini short, story's the wrong word, uh, a little piece of lore, uh, there's another story called The Girl in the Wendigo. Mm-hmm. Crazy, it's about this village that was really freaking out because a Wendigo was on the way, and the village elder didn't really know what to do about it, and so this little girl, she literally, like, picks up two uh, shrub branches, and uh, she has two dogs with her, and apparently the Wendigo is coming, and it was the big ice creature. And it had two dogs with it as well. 
And as the Wendigo kept getting closer and closer, she started growing and the shrub branches turned into copper pipes. And so she started fighting the Wendigo and she finally beat it down on the ground. And once it was on the ground, everybody else in the tribe came around and started uh, basically breaking up the ice itself. And once they cracked open the the skull of it, there was the, the human that was inside of the skull, kind of like a... Um, kind of like a Dalek situation or, you know, like the, the mini thing inside of the bigger thing. Or like, uh, a, was it Pacific Rim and inside of a Jaeger? Like one yeah. little person inside of a yeah. giant Or the thing. men in black thing with the... Yeah, 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 yeah. So like that kind of idea um, that they... That was that was one of my favorite stories that I came across. That little piece of... Little pass down story. That's pretty cool. Ah. And that it was a girl, and that the shrubs turning into copper pipes, like, I think that's just really cool. And the, the fact that the Wendigo would have two dogs, too, which is like, well, is that the previous owner's dog? Or Probably. Guy in, in the cool. Yeah. So, yeah, I thought that was a fun one that I came across. Yeah. But, um, oh, fun little piece of trivia. So, I had already mentioned Algernon Blackwood, uh, the author. Uh, the game Until Dawn, which came out in 2015, which is a really fun, amazing, interactive, kind of choose-your-own-adventure horror game. Or not uh, really choose your own adventure. It's more like choose who you want to die or not choose die. Choose your own death. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's, a, it's a really fun game, but uh, the game takes place uh, in uh, Blackwood Pines, which was like a beautiful homage, I thought. Yes. Yeah. 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 I'm trying to think of what else we got. Oh, I mean, there's, there's so many instances in pop culture and like... We can't even go to that. I feel that. like we're all over the place. But, uh, oh. yeah. Um, pop culture. Pop culture, yeah. But for the uh, insatiable hunger aspect, I think, is really fascinating just when you look at different interpretations, especially if you look into pop culture. But that idea of the insatiable hunger doesn't always have to be, you know, we talk about the human condition as a society and the fact that in our world these days that there's this kind of void that we have that we can never quite fill up and we try to do it by you know buying things or gambling or drinking or out you know drugs whatever it might be and I think that that's a really interesting kind of modern way of looking at a potential wendigo is that insatiable hunger can be translated into that modern aspect of of society well and I go probably a different way because I don't I don't know if I fully believe that side of it but I go on more of the like, anthropological, historical side of things. Like, I think the concept of the Wendigo is fascinating and the fact that it could only have been, um, I guess, the creature or spirit or whatever could have been created in the environment it was in at that time. Like, it's great that we can definitely stretch it out and apply it to multiple things because that just shows you there's always a pattern within human Mm -hmm. behavior and thought and whatever else. But, like, the Wendigo could have only existed in an area of the world that was extremely inhospitable, at least during some portion of the season, year, whatever. And you have to have people, obviously, for a monster to actually be scary. Um, But yeah, like, it's something that came about because people were suffering through not having food, or they were going crazy because they were trapped in one location, whatever. And that's how the Wendigo kind of grew out of that fear or hysteria or whatever it was as a way to explain the way they were feeling or why the situation was what it was like sometimes it's easier just to blame an outside supernatural source versus what's actually going on actual issue and that's the beautiful thing about 
mythology and yeah. lore is that it explains the unexplainable for the time that it was created. Yeah. That's also a great excuse for cannibalism. Like, oh, excuse? Oh my I mean, God. no one wants to own up to that. No. Like, I'm you don't want to, you don't want to say, yeah, there was this winter a few years back where <laughs> it was tough and I almost ate cousin Johnny, but almost. his leg was right there and he was asleep and I yeah. just, I almost... it was just the Wendigo taken over. Or if, I guess on the other side of that, if it's not a spirit possessing you, it's some creature that you've, maybe you've heard of a story of some guy getting eaten in the woods and it could have been actually someone that was another person eating him, like suffering from something. And to justify that situation, because it maybe the body didn't look like it was eaten by an animal. It looked a little bit more uh, meticulous. Um, maybe your excuse for that was, oh, there's a giant monster type humanoid creature thing wandering around eating people. Yeah, that'd so. be my excuse any day. Yeah, I'd much rather that than knowing that there's some crazy guy running around in the woods eating me. <laughs> and even then, if that was true, I would just say, oh, a Wendigo possessed him. Because people are scary. Yes. Creatures aren't that scary in comparison. Mm-mm. The human mind, man. Yeah. Fuck. Yeah. I mean, we we wouldn't be doing our job if we didn't at least mention Hannibal. Oh, yes. We're looking at the Wendigo. Well, I mean, okay, ultimately Hannibal, don't focus on the Wendigo completely. It's it's a part of it, and, it, and to us it's very important. <laughs> yes. But Hannibal, a, the show by NBC. Yes, the directed show. By, directed and, I guess, written too, right, by mm-hmm. Brian Fuller. Bless him. Blessings unto him. Um, uh, but, yeah, the... It's Hannibal Lecter. Um, I don't want to give a, a lot away. No, just the, the cannibal puns are real. The cannibal puns are so real. Oh, it's so good. Um, it's beautifully filmed. It's mm-hmm. well acted. The cast is amazing. And there's Wendigo stuff in it. So what's, what, what's not to love? Which takes it in a beautiful direction. It's a very, it's a beautiful interpretation of the lore. Yes. Which is arguably what got us both started on the idea of looking into Wendigos. Because in my mythology research as a young child, I definitely probably came across them, but it didn't actually stick in any way, shape, or form of interest until Hannibal. Honestly, it didn't. I mean, if it did, I never noticed, but it didn't really come across for me until Hannibal. So So basically, you should watch it. Everyone should watch it. Everyone should love it. It should be a thing. We're not sponsored because this show is no longer (laughs) airing anyway, but yes, (laughs) We highly, highly, highly recommend it. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, Brian Fuller, if you're out there, we love your work. Not that he's going to listen to this. I mean, don't say that. God, you're going to jinx it. <sighs> <laughs> but well, yeah. is that it? That's all we got. Is that all we've got? Yeah, we might we might re readdress all this later on, maybe. This is the first episode. We can mm-hmm. only do what we can do. And plus, this is the morning yeah, it's really early right now. It's what, 1030 right well, now? Well, so... I guess for some people it's not early, but... No, it's well, for us it's early. No, early. not even for me. I'm usually at work by now, but... <laughs> for the brain of artists, theater people, yes, we... Yeah, this is... This for is someone that doesn't have to go to work until 12 o'clock, this is early. Yeah, this is early. So we appreciate you bearing with us, and stay tuned for more because... Yes, as Vanessa just said, we will be looking into the Wendigo probably a little bit more because we're super fascinated by it, and we hope that you've enjoyed this kind of clump of information because we've had fun doing it. So, yeah. and that's 
what it comes down to as an important thing. So yeah. once again, this is the Nightshaded Podcast. Oh wait, no. Don't what? What no. what are we gonna announce what we're gonna do for the second episode? I, oh yeah, we probably should. So what are we doing next next time? Red caps. Red caps. They're super cool, so stay tuned. Yay. Bye.